on today's episode of Sam Talks Telehealth, I am so excited to bring my friend and colleague, Patty DeMurray. She is someone who really helps patients with rare disease um, navigate the system, learn how to really advocate for themselves. And I think this is so important with, you know, rare disease. Um, also, we have the rise of COVID long haulers. So I'm excited to have her on the show. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Patty, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So I've, you know, told the audience you and I know each other in the in the real world and just happen to have a connection through healthcare. So I'm really excited to have you here. Tell us just a little bit about you and what you do to get us started. Well, I am a rare disease patient advocate, and I've turned into a rare disease patient educator. I am passionate about helping patients really understand the medical system and so that they can learn how to navigate and advocate with their doctors and really get the care that they need. Because rare diseases are rare and doctors don't always know about it, it can be challenging for patients to find doctors who are willing to help, find the right doctors who know about it. So I really come, I'm a guide for them to kind of explain to them how the medical system works and how they can get what they need from it. Yeah, which I mean, we know even if you don't have rare disease, just interacting in the medical system is like a real nightmare. So tell us a little bit, what makes rare disease patients so unique and how they interact with um, healthcare and clinicians? It's extra challenging for rare disease patients because they are rare diseases. And one of the things about rare diseases is that often they're not easily diagnosed or definitively diagnosed, and there are very few approved treatments for them. There's uh, 5% of the 7,000 rare diseases that actually have any kind of FDA approved treatment and no cure. So most of the things that we're being treated with are off label. So it's up to the doctor to decide what that is. That puts a lot more responsibility on the doctor, makes it a lot harder for just a doctor to wander into rare diseases and know how to appropriately treat it. Yeah. And then for the patients, um, yeah. How do you help and, you know, educate them on how to actually deal with all this? Because that's got to be really overwhelming for them. It is. Uh, it takes normally between seven and nine years to get diagnosed with a rare disease. So many people see 10, 20, 30 doctors who can't help them. And often they're quite traumatized because the doctors who don't understand the rare disease, don't know about it, are quick to brush it off and to not be as supportive as perhaps they could be. So the patients are left really having to fight to to find doctors that are going to help them. What I really help them do is to identify who are those right doctors. If they're not the right doctor, don't work with them. It's not going to help. And how do you find those doctors? How do you find other patients that know about those doctors? And then how can you build the best relationship that you can with those doctors? So I help them learn how to prepare for appointments so that that they're very organized and they can focus on what's important to them and really work with their doctors through that appointment to get as much done in our tiny little appointments as we possibly can. Yeah. Now it was actually, since I met you learned about that, you know, concept of medical trauma. So talk about that a little bit, like, what does that mean for people? And now the other place I'm starting to hear is with COVID long haulers. So tell us a little bit, like, what is medical trauma? 
when the patients, when you go to doctors over and over again, and they tell you either that nothing's wrong or you need to see a psychiatrist because they think it's anxiety, you really start doubting yourself. And sometimes the doctors are kind about it, but often the doctors are not. So there can be some pretty, uh, pretty obvious abuse that happens in the medical system. And when that happens once, when it happens twice, when it happens again, the patients just start uh, not being able to be present in those appointments. There's so much anxiety. I went through a fair amount of that, even with my daughter who was diagnosed back in 2007. We were seeing pediatricians. My husband at the time was a pediatrician. These were friends and colleagues, and even they couldn't help us. And we still ran into situations where, well, if the daughter and the mom just believe in this, in this diagnosis, then everything will be fine. Well, that wasn't really true. So it's this constant, am I, am I crazy? Am, is there really something wrong? How can I get somebody to listen to me? And why don't they care? Because as patients, that's how we view it. When a doctor doesn't treat us well, it's, oh, they don't care. They're not going to help us. Whereas a doctor's probably thinking, oh, that's their job. They don't believe in it. They just move on. But it's very, very traumatic. I polled a group of patients in one of my rare disease groups and asked people what their biggest fear about going to the hospital was, in the ER especially, and 30% of them said they will die at home before they go to an ER because they have been treated so poorly. And this is consistent every time I ask people this, they're like, absolutely, I will not go there. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. Especially because, um, you know, oftentimes that doctor patient relationship is a, it's a hierarchical, you know, it's like, I don't want to say only patriarch because there's plenty of women physicians, but yeah, it's definitely this position of authority. And so then, you, you know, that position of authority is questioning you all the time when you're just trying to solve what's going on with you. Exactly. A short break in today's podcast to talk to you about more resources for your telehealth services. I've got the telehealth toolkit, and that's a great resource with checklists for your video visit setup, the team, your dream team that you'll work with, technology considerations when you're thinking about what you're gonna create for your services. And then I also bring you through a really deep dive into the workflow redesign. So the telehealth toolkit is simple checklists to be able to really take you through what you need for your telehealth easy setup and being able to quickly get on camera with the same confidence that you have in your in-person clinics. You can find the telehealth toolkit at www.telehealtheasy.com forward slash toolkit. Now with that, let's get back to the podcast. And with rare diseases, I mean, no doctor can know everything. And rare disease patients tend to be very motivated. We tend to do a lot of research. We tend to share a lot. And we do research, research papers from NIH. We're not just looking at junk websites. We're very highly educated and very motivated because often it's very debilitating. So we tend to want to bring research papers with us that's uncomfortable for a lot of doctors. That's really changing that dynamic. And they've actually even studied it and looked at it and said, rare disease patients are actually pushing what the relationship between doctors and patients are like. 
Originally, of course, doctors are patriar patriarchal. They brought the information and they made the decisions. Then they started letting patients make the decisions with them with shared decision-making. Now they actually refer to some rare disease patients as expert patients because they come in with their with their uh, research papers and their ideas. And sometimes it's doctors and, and they actually lead the discussion on what they wanna do. So we're kind of upending that, that apple cart. And I think for some doctors, that's really uncomfortable. Wow, that's really, that's really interesting. And actually I have a client right now who's working on a COVID long haul clinic. And we were talking about, you know, who is it's, your, you know, ideal patient in terms of like customer for the, for the program. And what was interesting is as I was reading their materials, it was so scientific. I said to them, I said, I don't know if this is going to work for the average person I said, no, no, people are contacting us saying like, I'm not going to say the right words, but like microplatelets or this or that. They were like, no, they are so researched and they're coming to us because we're open to that and we want to explore that with them. So it was, you know, one of those other times that I heard of it. And I think maybe like we're going to have so many COVID long haulers. I now understand a little bit more what it means by like rare disease, because they're still sort of rare disease for now because we're not quite sure how to treat them. Although there's tons of them, right? Versus you're in that space of tons and tons of small rare diseases that people don't necessarily know how to treat. And there's not the volume of humans to be able to figure out what's going on. Although we're seeing a lot of the long haulers ending up with the rare diseases. So they are crossing over into our groups where we don't have enough doctors the way it is. We, the rare disease doctors are very rare, unfortunately, like the rare diseases themselves. So there's a long waiting list for the doctors who really understand it. And now there's this whole influx of long, long haulers that are also trying going to need the similar similar resources and we really need to really look at the way that medicine handles those kind of things and try to really leverage our our experts and help them teach the doctors at the local levels and really take advantage of that yeah and that, that i mean that dovetails into my last question around you know telehealth certainly the last two years we've seen a real change in being able to meet remotely and being able to see clinicians across state lines and things of that nature. For rare disease patients, how do you see telehealth being a benefit to them? It was incredibly helpful during COVID especially, and but at any time, a lot of the people are uh, immune, have immunology issues, have issues traveling, just the physical nature of having to travel and go somewhere can be very hard. So being able to see the doctors in other states. And of course, there's not a rare disease doctor in every state for every rare disease. So by nature, you have to go to somebody outside your state. And it makes it really hard if they have to travel. Unfortunately, with a lot of the rules that are being rolled back and insurance companies not covering it, it's become a real problem. The rare disease patient advocacy groups are trying to address some of this. Some of them have started doing grand rounds where doctors can come in and present their harder cases. Some have done the echo training. Some have a hotline that they can call. Some actually do second opinion consults where they will give that doctor the an additional resources for them. But there's it's just starting and each group is kind of doing different things. But having telehealth available makes it just a huge uh, access mm -hmm. 
so that the patients that live on one coast can actually see, talk to the doctors on the other coast as well and have those appointments. Yeah, I love that. You know, obviously we always focus on the access. And I think, again, when you have limited people with the knowledge base, we really need to be able to use these kinds of tools. Um, Patty, last last thing is, um, if you could change, so I always ask everybody this, if you could change anything in healthcare, what would you change? I would change the expectations that healthcare has on doctors learning new material and learning about new things. The, it is such a slow process for medicine to change and learn about anything. And it's really up to the person and it's not consistent across the board. So we have some doctors that learn about rare disease and they learn one tiny little bit about it and they think they're experts. And when the patients go to them, they don't know that that's only one tiny bit. So a way to actually disseminate that information and make it easier for the doctors to learn it, but actually have expectations that they need to learn it as well, that it's not okay for them to not believe in a rare disease, even though it's been around for 20 years, just because they haven't encountered it before. Mm, that's, a, that's a good one. Okay, Patty, where can people find you online so they can connect with you and learn more about what you do? They can find me at healinghugshaven.com. And I also uh, can be found on Facebook as well, Healing Hugs Haven. Perfect. So I will be sure we put all of that in the show notes. Patty, thank you so much for coming. I've really enjoyed, like we know each other over the last couple of years. And so it's been great for both of us to you know, share in our businesses and these connections around how we can help people. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. And I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Sam Talks Telehealth as much as I have. Don't forget to subscribe and like the podcast. That way you know when the new ones are dropped. And for all of those who want to learn more about telehealth, more resources, and have a chance to work with me directly, feel free to go to telehealtheasy.com where you can find all the online courses and specialized services that I offer. We'll see you back here next time.